Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Area News Group, it's the TK Show, and here's your host, Tim Kawakami. How you doing, everybody? This is April 6th, opening day for baseball for both the A's and the Giants. Uh, so proud to have a friend of mine and certainly a icon in the Bay Area, broadcaster Mike Kruko for the Giants. Mike, how you doing today? Great, Tim. A happy opening day. Yep. And, uh, it's a great day, but it's a bit of a sad day for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I think it hits anybody who used to listen to the Giants or loves the Giants or knows the Giants. Uh, uh, and I certainly grew up with Lawn in the 70s, Lawn Simmons passing away yesterday. Uh, I'll just say one thing I always remember is the way he interacted with you and Dwayne and, and John and, then, and and certainly with Dave later. It just was such a warm feeling among you guys. I just Was that the way it was with Lawn and you guys from the beginning once he came back in the, in, in the early 90s? I'm sorry, yeah. Well, that's exactly how it was. Uh, you know, he was just one of the guys, and uh, and I think that he made everybody that ever listened to him on the radio or on TV feel the same way. He made you feel like uh, you were his close friend. And uh, you know, when we would all get together and have dinner or, or just talk about the game before or after a game, uh, it was just so much fun to be around the guy because uh, it was his passion and. Uh, he got to do his passion his whole life, and uh, you know he kept his mind his whole life. Yep. You know, at ninety-one, I mean, he was sharp as a tack, and his wit was always uh, sharp and, uh, and 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 barbed at times. <laughs> uh, he was just a joy. I mean, and uh, you know, he was a baseball player. I don't know if many people knew that about him, but he he played professional baseball. Yeah, and uh, uh, and he had a lot to offer of the game. His insights were right on. And, uh, his instincts were right on. Just a, a wonderful man, and uh, and really, we'll, we'll all miss him dearly. Did you know him very well uh, before he he came back? Did, did you run into him very much? I don't think he did any of your games when you were the Giants playing for the Giants. But did you know him uh, when he came back to do some games in the broadcast booth? Oh yeah, I mean, if you're in the baseball world, I mean, you know who Lon Simmons yeah. and Russ Hodges were. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I grew up in Southern California, and uh, you know, we always thought that the, 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 we had the best being a Dodger fan when I was raised. Voice mm-hmm. uh, in Penn Scully and Jerry Doggett, uh, and then when I was 12 years old, I heard Lon and Russ for the first time, and I thought, Oh my God, <laughs> these guys are awesome! And and uh, I remember the conversation when I was driving back. We actually, when I was 12, saw a game of Candlestick. And we were driving back, and you know we were listening to the game in the ballpark on the radio. And then as we're driving back home to Southern California, we were talking about how good those guys were. And uh, and then when I became a, a professional baseball player, it, it was my privilege to be interviewed with by Lon and and get to know him from that perspective. And he just put you at ease, and uh, he just made you feel special. And uh, and he he just seemed so sincere when he was doing an interview. And you know he he embraced your story and uh and made you feel comfortable uh and uh so i i knew of, of lon and, and his greatness and then when, uh when i was playing in in san francisco as a player uh and i, I would listen to a lot of times when the a's were on mm-hmm. and i would listen to him opposite to us if we were playing night there the daytime or vice versa you get a chance to listen to him and he was just fantastic and i, and I you understand why the Giants fans were just so wild about the Giants. It had a lot to do with what Russ Hodgins yeah. and Lon Simmons did when when they first came to San Francisco. I totally got it, and 
it was indeed my privilege to finally get a chance to work with him as a broadcaster. Yeah, what do you think it meant to him to be able to come back to the Giants and have that, you know, that that time with you guys and with the team, and as the team was, you know, certainly. Uh, moving up and and, and it kind of changed the way you know had in the new stadium and all those things were happening. What was what was, what was the emotions that that Lon was having as he was coming back? It meant the absolute world to come back to him, and he was forever indebted to the Giants for giving him that opportunity. And what really stood out about Lon, he was such a humble man, and he he had an incredible career with the the Giants and the A's and the 49ers. And I mean, he was a, a truly was an iconic voice in the Bay area, but he didn't look at himself that way in his mind. He wanted to simply, you know, justify his, his, his merit by preparing like he always did. He always had a little bit of anxiety going into a game. You know, he wanted to be good. He wanted to present the story. He didn't want to miss anything. I mean, he, and that's what made him great is his, 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 humbleness and his attention to detail and when he had the opportunity to come back to san francisco and, and do the giants it meant the world to him and uh you know i mean but he he never said anything that would take away from his time with the niners or the a's he loved those times uh but to be able to come full circle back to san francisco and, and, and do the giants again it meant a lot to him and uh it meant a lot to us. It meant a lot to uh, the Giants fans to hear his voice again describing Giants baseball. Um, and, and I don't know of any any other broadcaster who really has been able to do what he did uh, to to embrace all of the the fans in the Bay Area on both sides of the Bay with baseball and then with football. And uh, you know, it really was what made him totally unique. And but he was ours, mm-hmm. and, and everybody in the Bay Area could say that. Does it strike you just to see the reactions from the last few days, uh, just the connections that broadcasters have to teams and to fans and you know what a great broadcaster really does mean to a region? Well, it is something that I've always been aware of, but being raised uh, on the West Coast where there's just been tremendous broadcasters uh, in every sport. And, uh, and I know what it did to me. I know how I was uh, impressed how I embraced baseball because of, of the, the way that it was told and, and how I learned baseball is because of what I learned on the radio. And, and uh, I, I'm not surprised by it. I, I think it's, it's one of the really great opportunities for uh, a broadcaster because in baseball, you're talking every day. It's a six month sport. And then if you're lucky, it becomes a seventh month sport yep. and, and people invest, you know, they invest their emotion with you, you know, and, you're there talking with your fan base every every night at dinner, and, and uh, it, it's an unbelievable opportunity. And I'm I am in awe sometimes at, at just how how much we mean to people. And uh, if you could walk in our shoes and hear the testimonies that we hear from from Giants fans, you would understand just how deep it it it, it reaches people. And uh, and then when you have the year that we've been so fortunate to have three times out of the last five. Yep. And it just validates every, every bit of energy and, and devotion that you give a team as a fan. And to be part of that as, as a storyteller is, is an awesome, awesome responsibility. And it's an unbelievable, it's an unbelievable thing. And, and, and that is truly what it became obvious to me, just how much we meant 
to to people and to baseball fans. So I, I'm not I'm not surprised by it at all. Yeah, moving to a little bit off the subject, I'm sure Long would appreciate is what those three championships have done. What does it represent to you, Mike? I mean, can you separate this era and say? This is a, this is a dynasty, or this is a mini dynasty, or, or what does it represent? Do you think historically for you? Well, I, I, it's it's amazing what one championship does to a fan base, as we saw in 2010, and uh, it, it it was such an emotional accomplishment, and in that regard by itself, it was truly monumental. Yep. And then to be able to back it up two years later in the most incredible fashion to be able to you know, be down to, to elimination games six times and to win all of them and, uh, and to go on and win another championship, which validated the first one. Everybody mm-hmm. could say, well, the first one's a fluke. And then, I mean, I think to a degree, the baseball world thought that the second one was a fluke. <laughs> and then, the Giants never really truly got their, their true applause, I don't feel. And then last year, you have to recognize historically what this what this group accomplished uh, and and this five year span that they've had it it really is something that that validates all of the hard work and and uh, and the accomplishment on the field but it also validates the joy and the the belief that the fans have had in this team for so long and uh you know, it's just it's just one of the most incredible things we've ever been witness to. And, uh, I don't know how it can get any better, Tim. I, I really <laughs> don't. I mean, I, I hope they keep winning them because it's 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 unbelievable. But I will say this in regards to the way that it was received. And I think when you go down a, a, a parade, you know, certainly you would think that the very first time it happened after the, the Giants fans waited for 52 years to finally take that, that, that parade of celebration. And, and it was an incredible journey. But the following two parades, they were as good. Yep. They were not diluted in any any way, shape, or form. They, they were as good, and uh, and I think that says a lot about about the love that the, that the the Giants fan base has for this club. So historically, I, I think it's it's monumental. I, I don't know if we'll ever see it again in in our lifetime. I just hope that it continues and they can keep adding to this. Well, you know, Sapiens talked about this a couple of times that the. the the fan base, the the fact that AT and T's filled up every night and the TV ratings are so high, puts a responsibility on the players, and that there's never going to, you know, hey, it's a big moment when they step to the plate on April 13th at AT and T because of the fans, because of the energy in there, and that translate to translates to playoff baseball in his mind. Do you agree with that? Do, do you see some of that? Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. You do not want to disappoint when you're a Giants player, when you walk out of that field and there's 41,000 people every night that is supporting you on every pitch and, and they do it every day, day in and day out. It, it, it's a remarkable phenomenon, but there is that accountability. And when you can stand on that, on the, on the, on the steps of city hall and you can look into that crowd of over a million and you can say to yourself that we justified and we, validated the support i mean that's an incredible feeling and when you don't it, it's it, it it really leaves a void in your accomplishment because you you didn't justify that love because that love is so monumental that it it it, it drives you it drives you it, it it inspires you when you come back off a long road trip and you're tired 
you, you, you're tired till you walk on that field and all of a sudden you recharge and it is truly a home field advantage. It, you know, I always thought the candlestick was the greatest home field <laughs> advantage because of the elements, but I've seen it surpassed by the, the energy that you could pull from the hometown crowd at AT&T. And, uh, and there is accountability, no question. And they all feel it and they all talk about it. Given all that, are you a little surprised that you, in the championships and certainly Bruce Bochy is a player's manager that, there haven't been more players who kind of want to come to the Giants, or, or you've even seen Pablo Sandoval want to leave the Giants through all this. Is, is that a little bit surprising? Well, I think the Pablo Sandoval's uh, comments were surprising. Uh, I certainly didn't feel that being around him uh, through his career, and, and uh, certainly during the championship years. I think that caught everybody by surprise, but I think that was more directed uh, to the negotiations more than anything else, because uh, you know I, I, I can't... In watching him, he never ever had a bad day. His relationship with the with the fan base was, you know, they embraced him in a way where uh, you, I don't know if we've ever seen anybody embrace like that. Even the superstars, I mean, he was a, almost a cartoon character, but you know, he was he was a lovable panda, right? So, I, I think he's a bit of the exception to be able to, to walk away from it. <clears throat> I do know that, you know, when Mark DeRosa played in. Uh, San Francisco, he, he, it was a tough time for him because he was injured. Mm-hmm. He had a lot to do with the Giants winning in 2010, even on the bench. But he went on to play the following year in Washington. And one of his teammates was Michael Morris. And the one thing that, that Mark DeRosa said to him was, listen, I'll tell you something, man. I don't know what you know about San Francisco, but if you ever get a chance to play in that city for those people, you have to do it. And Michael Moore said that last year, coming over, he said that really had a lot to do with his decision to come there. And uh, and then when the Giants won, and we were in City Hall after the celebration, we were about ready to reboard the buses. He said it was the greatest time of his life. He said what Mark DeRosa had said to him echoed in his ears that he was right. And he says everybody should have the, the, the good fortune to be able to come to the city and play for these people. So I don't believe it is something that is widespread. I think it is something that other fan, other players look at and revere, and they would love to play here because of what happens every night in that ballpark because of the people. Well, yeah, let's get to this, the season that's kicking off tonight. Um, what did you think about the spring? I mean, certainly it wasn't the greatest record, but they've won some games lately. And, and what, what player or two do you, are you most looking forward to see how, what the start is like with on this team? Well, I think that the spring uh, – was a good one, and I think that Bruce Bochy protected uh, this team. He knew that they had a short offseason. Uh, the one thing that he learned when the Giants came back and tried to defend after 2010-2012 was that the natural tendency for, for players was to try and justify the accomplishment, and because of that, they go too hard too early. And uh, I think he feels that that you know what he had to do as a manager was to kind of protect them bring them along slowly. And if you look at how spring training went, you know, they never really played a lot together as a unit, the varsity, uh, until about the last week. And uh, the last nine games, I think it went 7-2. Yeah. Uh, so they really started to put together some good momentum uh, and, and, they, and they started to find some rhythm in their lineup. And uh, But I, I think mentally, uh, they're fresh. And I think it's because of how they were managed in spring training. And I think that was the the, uh, the the goal for Bruce Bochy and the coaching staff 
So I think you're very ready to play because of how they trained and the type of screen that they had. Now the guys that I'm looking most forward to see are really the two new additions in the uh, in the lineup, Nori Aoki mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Casey McGee. I, I think that these are two guys that the Giants fans don't know a whole lot about, but because of the type of players that they are, they're they're players that complement the philosophy that the Giants have about keeping the line moving, put the ball in play, get pitches, get walks. And I think that's how you beat good pitchers like Clayton Kershaw, like Zach Greinke. You, you get pitches out of them, and you you put them in the stretch. You know, you you make it stressful because of of putting a, a pitcher in their stretch. And I think that's going to be the, the 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 offensive philosophy this year. I like those two guys, and I think that those are two guys that I'm going to look at. But then I, you know, I, I look at young players too. Joe Pennant to me is a guy that uh, is going to be fun to watch because of how he's going to mature based on what he did last year. We have expectations now, and he's, he has those same expectations. And uh, and I also like you know the idea of watching the guys who kind of been rebuilt, guys who've been injured. Angel Pagan, I think, is going to be a, a, an interesting story, as will Matt Cain. I think uh, you know two guys coming back from surgeries, uh, both candidates for Comeback Player of the Year. I think those are going to be uh, interesting and compelling stories. You worried at all about the starting pitching? You know, some of these guys are, are a little older, coming off, you know, Kane coming off the, the elbow surgery. At all, sense of some concern with that, or you just figure they're going to roll out and be okay this year? Well, I, they're going to have to be managed. I don't think you can anticipate 200 innings out of, of Tim Hudson or Jake Peavy anymore. Yeah. I think those guys are more uh, suited to give you 175. So it's going to be interesting to see how. Dave Rigetti and Bruce Bochy managed those guys. Matt Kane, I'm very excited about because he's throwing the ball extremely well. He's got his curveball back, uh, but there is concern, you know, as to you know the how tender the arm is early on when he starts to get the normal workload of the season. Is he going to be able to sustain that? I, I think you're going to see Bochy use a six-man rotation. Sounds like times. it. Yeah. And, uh, so, and I am a, a bit concerned about the about the health of it, but uh, I'm not concerned about. Bumgarner, he's strong as a bull, um, and I'm I'm really not as concerned about Litzkim as I was at the end of last season. Uh, what we saw from Litzkim this spring uh, consistently was a a true control of his off-speed pitches. Uh, something that he has not had in any spring I can ever remember. So I think he's going to have a good season. I'm I'm less concerned about him after seeing him for a month than I was going into the first inning of the first game of spring training. Mm-hmm. But uh, as always, you know, health is going to determine your success. Uh, and I am concerned about uh, the health of uh, of the older staff. I'm going to just jump one more question here just because I think it's interesting. that You won 20 games for the Giants in 1986, and I, I, it's hard to remember who else has won 20 games for the Giants. And I don't think anybody on their current staff, which is a very accomplished staff, obviously, with Cy Youngs and – World Series MVPs has ever won 20 games. Do, do you value that statistic now maybe more than just because hardly anybody does it anymore? Well, it's getting harder to do simply because of the pitch count. Yeah, you know, I was not encumbered by the pitch count, and uh, you know, I, and I am very proud of it. You know, after the I won my 19th game, uh, I had one start. Uh, I was on, it was the last start, it was the last game of the year. I had a start. I came back with two days rest, but I was tired. And, and Roger Craig said, "You know, you, you, you need this win to have a truly great year." And I looked at him, and that kind of pissed me off. I was like, "I've had a great mm-hmm. year," and I didn't really understand it then. But when the game was over and and we won, and I got the win, and 
you know, as the years have gone by, being introduced as a former 20-game winner, that's a nice handle to go through life with. And and, and that's when I really started to understand what Roger was talking about. Being a former 19-game winner, that's that's a good thing. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but a 20-game winner puts you at a different level, and uh, I am quite proud of that. But I do believe that this generation is encumbered because of the freaking pitch count. I hate it. I think it's an insult to guys, especially guys who are built for innings like Madison Bumgarner, built for pitches. Um, Juan Marichal called uh, Madison Bumgarner a throwback to a pitcher of his generation, which I thought was the ultimate compliment. Sure. And uh, so, but I, I, because of that, you know, your, your pitch count gets you out early in the game. And a lot of your decisions come in the last three innings. And because of the pitch count, you're not around there to, uh, to benefit and get your decision. So, you know, I think it stinks, but. It is what it is. <laughs> so it is harder to become a 20-game winner yeah. now than it ever has been. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Listen, I've taken a ton of your time up here. I just want to ask you one general question I ask everybody because people seem to like this question. Micah, what's your favorite restaurant meal? Or what's your favorite restaurant? Well, you know, it depends on the mood. But, uh, you know, uh, we like fish. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, my wife and I, we, we like San Francisco. The diversity you have there is <laughs> the best part about San Francisco. But right now, my favorite restaurant is an Italian restaurant on the on the in the Mission mm-hmm. on Valencia, a place called Plin P L I N. Okay, Plin's in Italian, and uh, they got that place has got it going right now. So uh, that's kind of our favorite right now. Well, listen, Mike, I've taken plenty of your time, and I, you got a game tonight. You got 161 after that, and maybe a whole bunch of bunch of games after that too. So. I appreciate the time. It's a great way to start opening day, and I thank you for your memories of Lawn, too. Really appreciate all that. Well, my privilege, and uh, thanks for having me, Tim, and uh, I'll see you out at the yard. All right. All right, Mike. Thanks. See ya. Listen, we're going to end this with a clip of Lawn Simmons calling a Steve Young fairly famous touchdown that my producer Paul Baca dug up, and I appreciate that. It's a, I think we, we got it from the Comcast Sportsnet site. Uh, It's his call, the Steve Young famous touchdown, and that's how we're going to end this show. Thanks, everybody. Young, back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 15, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49.